Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergr.com. Oh, man. Make some noise for Kayla back here on the keys, holding it down. Woo, girl. Well, good morning. How are we doing? Are you glad to be found in the house of God this morning? Man, you could be anywhere else, but you decided, you purposed, you made your life, you set priorities right, and you found yourself in the house of God today. Are you grateful that you are here today? Come on, man, and I, and I don't mean that from a man-made production. I'm not, I, I love our team, I love how we serve, I love the gifts and talents that are submitted fully onto Christ and just say, hey Lord, come and use us. But man, this isn't about a good production, this isn't Broadway, come on somebody, this is Jesus, this is the way, the truth, and the life, and we are here for one man and one man alone, amen? Come on, so if you love God, can you give him some praise in the house? Man, I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you, um, it, is, it is summertime. Who's grateful for summer? It is summer. Who's already got a tan going on? Come on, who's got a sunburn going on? Where are my ginger brothers and sisters? Where you at? Uh, man, it sucks to be us. And uh, I don't go outside a whole lot anyways, but for the five seconds that I do, my hair and my body match. It's, it's insane. So, uh, but it's hilarious because as Christians, we, as pastors and Christians, we have this, um, what do you call it? Like, we get together. Have you ever seen pastors interact that, like, don't belong to the same church? Have you ever seen this? We, we get together and interact, and we're like, yeah, so what are you doing for the summer? What are you guys doing for the summer? What cool things you got going on for the summer? And all of a sudden, this, this pastor conversation turns into all of these networking methods and gimmicks. And it's like, oh, no, we're doing like three hot months. And we're doing just texting live questions. We're going to answer all the wild stuff live without any preparation or prayer. And we're just going to go for it. And we're going to expect to kind of keep people in church. We're going to do dumb things to get people to come. And I'm like, I live in Michigan, dog. We got, four, we got four seasons, and how many of you know there's always a reason not to be in church? There always is. We live in the most beautiful place in the Midwest, don't we? It's amazing. I love it. So good. I don't go to beaches, but I know beaches are great, right? 99 problems, but a beach ain't one here in Michigan, right? We got like three of them. It's yeah, you know that. Yeah, you know that. Came with the Jay-Z references today. You gave me a week off, okay? That's a problem for you, not for me. Um... But it's hilarious because here's the deal. It's a beautiful place. There's always reasons. But I'm not interested in leading by gimmicks. I'm not interested in leading a church based off gimmicks. I'm not interested in leading a church based off trying to find ways to get people who should be like Jesus, myself included, to want to be in church. That's insanity. We're never going to do that. We're never going to be part of the culture that says we take our foot off the gas, we put it on the brake, and we just slow our way through summer. No, 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 no. How many of you know we still need God in the summer? How many of you know we still need the Word in the summer? How many of you know we still need God's people around us in the summer? Come on, so we're not going to lead by gimmicks. We're going to lead Jesus people, amen? This summer, this summer, we're starting a brand new series called The Jesus People. Somebody say The Jesus People. Don't let the fun colors and the psychedelic vibes, come on somebody, 
fool you into thinking we are taking our foot off the gas. No, we are going in even further. Come on. How many of you know we don't let up, we turn up? Okay. Okay, we ain't let up, we turn up. And that's exactly what we're going to do all summer long. Until the Lord says this series is done, this is where we're going to be. Because friends, family, brothers and sisters in Christ, man, I am not interested. I'm not interested in the church game. I'm not interested in a good production. I'm not interested in being sold out to a personality, to a place, to uh, a good worship music or you know what I mean? Like, this is about Jesus. I'm a Jesus person. I'm not a Matt person. I'm not a takeover person. Like, this is great. We're called. We belong to the house. I'm all for it. But how many of you know we belong to a bigger kingdom, to a bigger situation, to a bigger strategy? The Lord is at work, and he has called us for such a time as this. Amen? So I got any Jesus people in the house. Make some noise. Come on, somebody. Man, we are, we are starting a brand new series, The Jesus People. And you know what? I don't know that we'll do this for every series, but I'm kind of feeling like we should, and I might end up running out of words, uh, and, and we might um, have to try and, uh, you know, reinvigorate this, but um, I got another prayer that we're going to unite around every message. Does that sound good? So we're going to throw up the Jesus people prayer, and how this works is I'm going to say it, and then you're going to repeat after me. Does that sound good? All right, let's, let's test it out real quick. How you doing? How you doing? Say hello to your mother for me. All right, Mark Wahlberg in the house. All right, cool, here we go. The Jesus people prayer. Father God, you guys are good. Build your church that the gates of hell would not prevail. Give us your heart. Give us your words. Give us your power. Create. I... Creating us the spiritual gifting of spell check, Lord. I wonder what I meant to say there. Anyways, creating us a zeal for your house and a longing for your presence. Fill us, purify us, and mark us. Make us like Jesus to burn for you, set us apart. Make us a holy nation. Make your presence known here. Establish signs and wonders among your people. Pour out your spirit upon us. We will be your people. You will be our God. We declare your kingdom come. And your will be done in our city as it is in heaven. Let revival come. And the church said, come on, somebody. Praise God. Let's go. Let's unite around that this summer. Let's lift up our praises. Let the Lord ride in on it and full on somebody fix my brain um, that I could spell correctly. Dear Lord, baby Jesus. Help me with my spelling. All right, y'all got your Bibles this morning? All right, y'all taking notes this morning? How many of you know note takers are history makers? Come on. Note takers are history makers. So if you don't got a note, I know you have an iPhone. I know you have an Android. I know you got something. Bust that bad Jackson out. Start typing. Start writing things down. I prefer pen and paper myself. Can't read my own handwriting, but the Lord is talking. All right, title of my message this morning is 
beholding and becoming. Beholding and becoming. Beholding and becoming. We just turn and ask your neighbor, what are you beholding? Would you turn and ask your second choice neighbor, what are you becoming? Come on, somebody. All right, we're going to John 3. Somebody say, John 3. You got to say it just like that. John 3, 1 through 21. Don't worry, it ain't a whole lot. I'm coming out of the NLT this morning. Um, you can read anything besides the King James Version. You'd be all right. But here we go. John 3, 1 through 21. Y'all ready? Come on. It's going to be on the Sky Bible as well. Yo, and also, hey, we got Kenny serving for the first time in the bag. Give it up for Kenny. We got Kelsey holding it down in the booth. Come on, somebody. Let's go. All right, John 3, 1 through 21. Love y'all. Thanks for serving. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After a dark, after a dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. He said, Rabbi, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Thank you, Captain Obvious. Jesus replied, I assure you. <laughs> right? That's how I answer Jesus sometimes. What do you mean? And it's like plain. Oh. Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. Actually, I really love how the ESV says that part uh, in, in 6 where it says uh, only flesh can reproduce flesh, but only the Spirit can give birth to spirit. It's real fantastic. So do not be surprised when I say, you must be born again. Somebody say, born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind but cannot tell where it came from or where it is going. So you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. How are these things possible, Nicodemus asked. Jesus replied, you are a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you do not understand these things. I assure you, how many love when Jesus assures us. We tell you what we know and have seen and yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe me if I tell you about heavenly things? That's a word for our generation. That's a word for our culture. That's a word for the church in this hour. There's a lot of truth right now that is being thrown down the drain for political gain. That is just plain, earthly logic. World calls it science. God calls it creation. It's his plan, it's his purpose, and people are throwing it out and saying they don't understand. No, it's real. That's enough on that. No one has, here we go. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe me if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven, and as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, who loved in the wilderness season? Come on. So the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in Him will have eternal life. Come on. For this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent His Son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through Him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in Him, but anyone who does not believe in Him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. 
And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it, for their sins will be exposed. Wow. But those who do not, but those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that what they are doing is what God wants. Come on. Well, I'm going to pray, and we're going we're to crack that open. Sound good? Father God, Father, I just, I ask that you would help me preach this word. I ask God that you would bring just the peace to my spirit right now. God, you know the week I've had. You know the things I'm dealing with on the inside. You know the heartbreak I've experienced. You you understand those things, and yet you called me to preach, God, and so I just ask that you would help me, that my words would be your words and not none of my own. Not of my own accord, God. Arrest my lips and arrest my tongue. Submit them to you, God. And right now, God, as I ask that of myself, I ask that right now every heart that is closed off to the gospel would be open. I ask that every mind that is closed off to your truth would be open. I ask for every ear that has been turned away from your word, God, would be open. Every eye in this room would be open to see your goodness and your kindness and your mercy and your grace and your long-suffering that you have for us, God. I ask today, Lord, that you would do what only you can do in and through your word and in and through your spirit right now, God, and that is begin to work on the inside of every single one of us. If we're close to you, pull us closer. If we're kind of by you, pull us closer. If we're nowhere near you, begin to tug on our hearts and invite us into this family, God. Today, Jesus, I just thank you for what you did on the cross, that you made a way where there was no way, and now we can be in this room, we can be in your presence, and we can grow, and we can be shaped, and we can be changed, and we can live a life like yours. So right now, Holy Spirit, we just invite you in. Any spirit of confusion, any spirit of depression, any spirit of suicide or adultery or anything that's just not close to the heart of God, God, I just ask that it would leave this room. We're not playing games this morning, God. We're here for one thing and one thing alone, and that is you. So come have your way. Take up residence in our lives and be with us this morning. In Jesus' my name, a faith-filled, bold, audacious, ready to get after a faith-on-fire kind of church set. Amen. Amen. Come on, somebody. Beholding and becoming. Beholding and becoming. You know, as we were as we were starting the series, as, as I was studying and preparing, man, I got to tell you, I had a crazy week. I had a crazy week. I got some family stuff going on, um, things with my parents and, and whatnot. Just not good. Just a continuation of my 31 years of life, unfortunately. And um, thank you for the people who did reach out and were praying for me. And I love you. And it means a lot to not be in this alone, but man, I, uh, it's, it's all going on while, while we're starting this new season in church, and man, how many of you know when, when God starts something, the devil loves to oppose something, doesn't he? Man, 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 God never starts something, and the devil's not just like, I'm going to try and stop that before it can bloom, before it can blossom, before it can be all that a God knows it can be. So just so you know, don't be surprised. 
Don't be caught off guard like I was. Don't be surprised when you get sucker punched from the devil when you begin to take ground in your life, when you begin to take ground in your marriage, when you begin to take ground in your purity. Don't be surprised when the devil sees God starting something in your life or starting something through your life and he decides to roll up and try to stop it. Don't be surprised. You put your, you put your boot on that snake's neck and you put him to sleep. Amen? And that's what we're going to do today. I refuse to allow the sins of my father to stop us this morning from experiencing the grace and mercy of our heavenly father amen so we're going to get after it can we get after it this morning beholding and becoming man i i'm radically emphatically and inexplicably got them all challenged right now that our world is in desperate need of the jesus people that we are in desperate need right now of some resuscitation. We need some truth. We need some grace. We need some love. We need some mercy. We need some, we need some kind of just Jesus power that breaks the chains off the people in this world. Amen. We need a light that can lead those entrapped and ensnared in darkness out of it into freedom and liberation of Jesus. Amen. And it's going to take the Jesus people. So in this series, we're going to camp out predominantly in the New Testament. And that's not because, you know, we're weird or, you know, on that woke train about, you know, detaching ourselves from the Old Testament. That's rubbish. And if you ever hear a pastor say that, don't listen to him, okay, or her. It's the whole Bible, all God's Word, whole thing. In fact, Jesus wouldn't be Jesus if he didn't fulfill everything in the Old Testament. So it's all needed, friends. It's all needed. But what's alarming to me, what's alarming to me right now is that our world is in desperate need of the Jesus people, of the church, of the church of Christ. This is what God sent his son for, was to establish you and me, his holy order here in the earth, the kingdom here of citizens, not unto themselves, but unto God. Amen. This is the plan of God to reconcile the world back onto himself. However... While the world is in desperate need of what the Jesus people have, it's, it's increasingly aware to me that some of us self-proclaimed Jesus people, Facebook religious views, Christians, grew up in West Michigan, was in the church our whole lives. We were conceived in the church. I didn't mean it like that. I didn't mean it like that. Maybe some of you. I don't know. Uh, moving on but man you've been raised in cultural Christianity you would say you're a Christian simply by association because it's what you've always known it's what I've always been but for some of us I'm realizing right now more than ever if we're going to start a series that's all about what the Jesus people are whom we are called to be what God has said we can and should be I stumbled across the great revelation that some of us we haven't experienced all that God says we can and should be. In fact, as I say that statement, what God says we can and should be, what he's made available to us, he says we can and should be. I'm, I'm coming across a stark realization right now that for a lot of Christians, for a lot of Jesus followers, we, we call ourselves Jesus people, but we find ourselves living lives that look starkly and alarmingly just like the people of this world. 
And for some of us, we hear these statements like, God went to the cross for, for your salvation. He went to the cross for your healing. He went to the cross for this radical deliverance, for gifts and powers of the Spirit and, and tongues and all of these things. And we're, we're hearing this, we're reading Scripture, and yet it's foreign to us. We're going, I, I think I gave my life to God. Yet I don't understand any of this. I'm still struggling with sin. I'm still stuck in shame. I still got bondage and chains galore. And I, like I'm grateful to be here on Sunday, but Monday through Saturday I still look, look smell, and feel like hell. And then it dawned on me. Dawned on me. I've never read a scripture. I've never had a moment with the Lord. I've never heard the great church fathers and mothers of the last 2,000 years affirm this statement, but it's something that we've said. It's something that's creeped in. It's something that's found its way into the nomenclature and zeitgeist of Christian culture. And it's this phrase, I have dedicated my life to Jesus. I've dedicated my life to Jesus. I have dedicated my life to Jesus. Well, that's great. That's all good and well, right? I know lots of people who dedicate their lives to lots of things. They dedicate their lives to sports teams. Now we have great spectators. That makes watching football or basketball or mixed martial arts a lot more fun than it was in the pandemic when nobody was there cheering. Like, but truly, dedication cannot equate to salvation. Dedicating your life to Jesus doesn't mean that your life was saved by Jesus. Dedication cannot equip, cannot establish cannot simply mean, I think we've just done a terrible job explaining this. And so today, it is my hope and my prayer. We're going to touch on some touchy things today. I'm going to say some pretty bold, audacious things, but trust me, believe me, it is found firmly in the Word of God, and it's not going to be any more extreme than what Jesus just said in the Scripture himself. But friends, it's not simply enough. <laughs> Boromir. One does not simply dedicate their lives to Jesus. Somewhere Sean Bean is proud of me right now. One does not simply dedicate their lives to Jesus. No, 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 no. We must be born again. You see, I love this, I love this moment because I, I'm looking at our lives and I'm looking at how we're living. And, and honestly, like friends, I cannot believe for the life of me, I cannot believe for the life of me, the whole grand plan of God in the cosmos outside of this earth is that he would do everything. He would move heaven and earth to go and send his son, Jesus, to go and die and live a life of, of, of blameless perfection. That he would go and show us what it looks like to be a man fully submitted under to God without sin. That he would then kill that spotless lamb on a cross simply to leave you ill-equipped for the life he tried to rescue you from. 
simply to live, leave you in your bondage, in your sin, and in your shame. I don't understand how this could even be possible. I think it's because we've had a lot of uh, preachers, and, I, and let's listen, I love the church. You hear me say that all the time. The church, the bride of Christ, the actual factual bride of Christ, her, 2,000 years of her, I love her. I would die for her. I would give my life for her. I already have. She, she is everything I want to see established in the earth. I don't want to build a great ministry under Matt McClure. I want to build a great ministry under God called his bride. Amen? That's what I gave my life for. That's what I gave this up for. This is what we are all going after together. But I got to believe it is, it is absolutely no help at all for famous preachers with 60-second clips standing up on their platform where they reach millions of people, and I'm not smashing them. I'm simply saying this is wrong. We don't get to declare, you are enough. We don't. Jesus makes it clear. Matt McClure is not enough. You are not enough. Dedicating your life is not enough. If we feel like God's grand plan in the cosmos was that he was going to slain the blameless, spotless lamb before the foundations of the earth. Also, that he could spend the next 50, 60 years tweaking Matt McClure's life, pruning my tree, shaping me and making me slowly yet surely looking more like his son Jesus while just kind of normalizing and okaying and affirming my sin. That's the power of the cross? A mediocre 60 years after I met him of still being stuck in shame and bondage? Is that what that accomplished? No way. No way. The God of the universe, creator of everything, would not give himself up simply for a mediocre, sin-ridden 60 years of Matt McClure. He didn't do it to tweak Matt McClure. He sent Jesus to the cross to kill Matt McClure. He sent Jesus to the cross to kill me, to kill you, to completely obliterate you, to eradicate all that you were so that you could be born again. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Friends, I wonder, I wonder this morning is the fact that we have not seen significant life change, because this is the difference between behavior modification and soul transformation. I led my dad to the Lord three years ago. Guess what he did with it? Cheated on my mom, got a bunch of dating apps, and now I'm leaving her. 57 years. This is the difference. This is the difference. This is the difference. But guess what? I led my mom to the Lord when I was a teenager. And guess who's awesome? And guess who's pursuing God? And guess who's solid? And guess who's remaining? And guess who's strong? And guess who's firm? And guess who's holding her head up and believing in the Lord? My mother. Again, that's not unto me, that's unto the Lord. Friends, the reason some of us are not walking in all that God paid for us to have, I've got to ask the question, are we perhaps, have we maybe not actually, factually, spiritually, in reality, been born again? You see, friends, there are two type of people in this world those that are living for Jesus and those that are living for Satan. Pastor Matt, hold the phone. Hold up. I've got, I got friends that aren't saved. I've got family members 
that don't know this Jesus that you're screaming about right now? What do you mean they're living for Satan? How can you just boldly declare that? Because Jesus said it, Peter said it, Paul said it, and James said it, and one of the four of them is God himself. It's all throughout the New Testament. It's all throughout the Gospels. It's all throughout the Pauline epistles, the, uh, the Peter books, James, the brother of Jesus. It's in there everywhere. Everywhere. All right, I'm going to keep going. Hope that's good. If it's not, we'll figure it out. But it's everywhere. There are two types of people in this world today those that are living for Jesus and those that are living for Satan. You will either glorify God or you will gratify the flesh. You will either be pursuing heaven with everything in you or you will be living like hell with everything in you. Friends, all good? Fantastic. Oh, baby got locked in the bathroom? Man, how many of you know that's us a lot of the time? And the Lord's like, come on, guy. Done locked yourself in the bathroom. Let me get you out. Praise God. So we can can work anything. We can turn it all around for good. Amen. But here's the deal. Friends, you will either be living for God or you will live for Satan. You will either be under the influence of the Holy Spirit or under the influence of the spirit of the age, a fallen spirit, cultural spirit, fleshly spirit, political spirit, Jezebel spirit, Satan spirit, anything that's not of God is an enemy of God. So therefore an enemy of God is following whom? Satan. It's just the reality. I know that's heartbreaking, but friends, this is why the world, your friends, your family, you and me, this is why we need the good news of the gospel, and this is why everybody outside of this room in our lives needs, somebody say needs, the Jesus people. You want to know why? Because there are two types of people in this world. Those that die, and then we stand before God. And all of a sudden, we are just beholding. We are just beholding. We are amazed. We are aghast. We are just in awestruck wonder. And we're going, look at his beauty. Look at his majesty. Look at his bigness and his complexities, yet his simplicity and his love for me. Look at this big, amazing thing. He's better than I even knew on earth. He's better than anything I've experienced. This is our God. Oh, my Lord. Oh, my Lord. What do I say, God? Yes, you. And in that moment, we will be fully and completely aware of all that he is and fully and completely aware of all that we unfortunately are. And yet we will be, as Jesus followers, welcome to live in that for the rest of eternity. And then there's those of us who when we die, (laughs) Matt, are you leading a crusade right now? I hope so. I hope this is a crusade. I hope that we are just going after the millions after this. Grand Rapids in metro area has 1.5 million people. It is inexcusable. We need to go because of this reality. How many of them? How many of them? I don't care if there's a church on every corner here. How many are born again? How many are saved and on their way to heaven? How many have dedicated their lives versus actually having a completely new life? Because there are those in our world 
friends and family that we know, brothers and sisters, listen to me. They will stand before God the same way I just described, and they will go, oh my God, you're real. And not only are you real, I could have had this the entire time I was alive. Look at your beauty. Look at your majesty. Look at your wonder and your bigness and your vastness and your explicitity and your simplicity and all the things that you are and all the things that I'm not and never could be. Look at you, God. Oh, how I want to spend the rest of my life looking at you. And then the stark realization will enter them that they can spend the rest of their reality, the rest of their lives, the eternity, looking, beholding his beauty, but the stark reality and the alarming situation they now find themselves in that will become cold. His warm embrace will go cold, and they will begin to see it, and they'll go, I, you don't, I don't actually get to spend the rest of eternity here. I now, I now have to live in eternal separation from, from, from this. Lord, can I just touch and know? I never knew you. I never knew you. You heard of Jesus. You were told of Jesus. They gave you every chance. I know, I, I know, I love you, but this is my justice. This is how I set it up. This is how it is. There is no remission of sin outside of the shedding of blood. And I gave you Jesus and you said no. Because hell in its reality is the eternal separation from God of knowing him now, experiencing him now, being intimate with him now, being bare. You are bare before the Lord and he knows everything and you're acutely aware, your senses are on override, that you know he knows everything. And yet he loves you and yet can never have you. And now you live forever in eternal separation, darkness, hellfire, brimstone, gnashing of teeth, whippings. All the things that Jesus and every other person in the scriptures described hell as. But most importantly, hell is the forever separation between you and God. Fully aware of him. Fully understanding what he is now. Completely, acutely aware of all that you could have had, should have had, was made available for you to have and yet you never had. And this is the situation, the dire situation. Those outside this wall are in desperate need of knowing. We don't wanna talk about sin, but we need to talk about sin. We don't wanna talk about hell, but we need to talk about hell. Every great revival started when pastors and preachers, they decided to have a spine in the Holy Spirit and start declaring, no, I, I'm not sorry. There is truth and there's lies. There's holiness and there's sin. There's heaven, there's hell. There's God, there's Satan. But praise be to him who sent Jesus. And not only did he send Jesus and then ascend Jesus, and then he gave us his Holy Spirit never to leave us, and we can do this thing we can rescue others friends this is called the great commission this is called the bible this is called the gospel this is called the good news come on if there's not bad news then what is the point of good news we 
can't just be a people of churchgoers. We've got to be soul savers. We've got to be. The world right now, by their actions and confusion alone, are flaring up the most crazy, colorful SOS of all time. Save our souls! And yet we're worried about upsetting our church and whether we can keep the lights on or not. I don't give a rip if it ends tomorrow if I can say this message to you today and you would leave here and you would change your world. This can all close. This can all go. I don't care. I love it. It's what I was made for. But friends, if we're not activated, if we're not Jesus people, if we're not on mission, if we're not going after the things of God, if we're not experiencing everything that he said we can and should be, then why are we doing this? Amen? We gotta go! We gotta go. We gotta have some urgency in our bones. Long gone are the days of seeker-friendly church, of seeker-friendly pastors, of seeker-friendly Christians. Oh, I just don't want to offend anybody. Why? Jesus did. He spoke grace and truth and mercy and love and spirit all at the same time. And he died, gave you his Holy Spirit, and said you could do the same. We live in a time and a place where the world loves that you love Jesus. They really do. They love that you love Jesus. They, don't, they just don't love when you begin to live like Jesus. They love that you love Jesus. They just don't like when you begin to live like Jesus. Because here's the deal. You can go to work and be like, man, I love Jesus. And then you're mad, like, crazy, left-winging, whatever, uh, co-worker who just has, like, every coexist sticker ever made on the back of their car. And they're like, oh, yeah, Jesus was, like, really cool with, like, poor people and widows. Like, let's go. Roll me up a fatty. Let's smoke together and praise him. And it's like, yeah, however... That same Jesus was also kind of like, hey, I love the little children, so maybe we quit murdering them in the womb. Oh, you know, but my body, my choice. Yeah, not if you died to him, um, or are you just dedicated? Oh, you know, I just love Jesus. And Jesus, Jesus says that even look at another person with lustful intent in your heart, you don't even got to worry about no physical action happening. You've already sinned in your heart and... And he followed that up in the Beatitudes with, well, if whatever part of you leads you to sin, you should cut off your hand or gouge your eye out so part of you burns in hell and not all of you. <laughs> I love Jesus! And they're like, yeah, you're offensive and canceled. See, everybody loves that you love Jesus until you start living for Jesus. Friends, the world is in desperate need of you loving Jesus, living like Jesus, and I am wondering and I am alarmed by the amount of Christians that we have today, and some in this room, and I'm gonna be honest with you because I'm your pastor and I can be. This is pastoral time. This is shepherding time. This is the word of God truth time. I may be an excited kind of preacher. I don't have a teaching bone in my body, but I hope to gas you up enough with good theology and biblical truth that you will actually believe it and begin to institute it in your own life. Sound good? Because here's the deal. John 10, 10 says what? The thief comes, AKA Satan, to steal, kill, and destroy, right? And then the back side of that, Jesus goes flip side. I have come so that you may have life and life more abundantly. Abundantly. The abundant life. The life that led to the full Zoe life, right? That's, that's what he came for. Yet some of us, we are finding ourselves living with half measures and we are living in a deficit of the abundant life instead of the abundant life to the full. 
And it's like, can this possibly be all that there is? How is this possible? How is it possible that Jesus Christ would do all of that on the cross, say it is finished, and what he really meant was, it's like 25% of the way there. Like, you know, like, I'm glad that you got over that heartbreak when the dude broke up with you, but like for the next 50 years, you're gonna struggle with depression and suicide. Like, I mean, I'm, I, like, we got 25%. Yeah, God, let's go. Good job. Woo. That can't be it. That can't be all that it was. There's no way that it can be. Matt, what are you saying to me right now? Are you saying I'm not saved? I'm not saying that you're not saved. Are you saying my name isn't written in the Lamb's book of life? No, no, I'm not saying that. Well, Matt, I still struggle with sin. Yeah. Matt, I don't understand. It looks like it comes easier to some people. I'm sorry that I'm not perfect like you, Pastor Matt. Well, friend, I'm not, I'm not perfect. I'm just born again. You see, friends, you become what you behold. You become what you behold. And I wonder, I wonder, I wonder, what are you beheld into in this hour? What are you beheld into in your life that you are still struggling with? What are you still beheld into that God's like, no, I try to bore you again from this, from all of this, and yet you keep fascinating and fixating and holding and picking back up your chains that you're so comfortable in because you miss her, because you miss him, because you miss the money, because you miss the security, because you miss the whatever. What are you still beheld into that I've tried to rescue you from? What are you beholding that you are still becoming? This is the reality of what it looks like to be a Christian. I understand sanctification, but friends, do you understand that when you are born again, when you bend a knee and you say, Jesus, I can't live this life anymore. Please come and live it. He kills you. He kills you. This is why disciples, they all got a new name. I wish we did this. I wish we did this. I'd probably name myself like Goku or something dope, but, and then you'd be like, Matt, that's cultural appropriation. You are not Asian or an anime character or a monkey guy from a different planet. Like, it's wrong. Stay woke, bro. We in it. I told you, we ain't taking our foot off. But this is why they did this. This is why they got new names, because they wanted to say, no, this has been a death, burial, and resurrection. Your life is no longer your own. It's not you that lives. It is Christ that lives now for you. This is the point. You're no longer Matt. Matt's dead. Leave him there. He wasn't that great to begin with. I know. I made him. I watched him be fractured his whole life, abused his whole life, and then try to attempt to live a Christian life on the backside of that. Like, no, we kill him. And we use his body as fertilizer for this amazing person that God is now going to begin to grow. But that begins and ends with what you are beheld into. What are you beholden to? However it is that you say that word. Because here's the deal. Well, Matt, I just, I don't understand why I'm not growing in the spirit. Why am I not growing in the spirit? I don't know, are you beholding truth? Because Jesus says a time will come when they will worship me in spirit and truth. Are you beheld into the truth? Well, Matt, I, I, just, I just don't understand why I'm not growing in truth. Well, are you in the scriptures? Are you in the spirit? Are you in church? Are you, what are you putting in? What are you beholden to? 
Well, Matt, I just don't understand why I still struggle with smoking. Are you still holding on to cigarettes? Like, I mean, what are you holding on to? What do you have in your hands? What do you allow yourself to go back to? Because here's the deal, man. Matt, I'm not, Pastor Matt, I'm not perfect like you. I said it earlier, I'll say it again. I'm not perfect, I'm just born again. Because here's the deal, when you get born again, you're, everything that you did before that, all your sin, dead, buried, gone, out of here. The Lord says, I put that as far as the east is from the west. Those never connect. Everything you did up until you were born again, I don't associate you with that. I associate you with Jesus. Bottom line. But guess what? When I enter back into sin, it's because I entered back into sin. Listen to that phrase. I'm no longer living from sin. That was the old man. That was the dead man. He was drowned and buried in the resurrected life. Now I have to choose to leave my born again nature and again enter back in to sin. And how many of you know when you enter back into sin, you still need to repent. You repented the first time to be born again and that was one and done for all that rubbish that you were unaware of. But man, when you start committing sins against yourself, against others, against God, you gotta repent. Jesus is clear, Paul is clear, every New Testament writer is clear. You go to that person, you can't even bring an offering in church if you, which again, going back off the backside of Pastor Scott's amazing offering message, come on somebody, it was great. Bottom line is, not only is it an obligation, but it's such an obligation that if you have unforgiveness or sin against a brother that you have not repented for, the Lord doesn't even want your offering because it may keep the lights on, but it is rubbish in the kingdom. Unless you go and repent to that person that you sinned against. Can I just be your pastor today? I came today to be a pastor. I didn't come to be a motivational speaker. I didn't come today to give you a TED talk. I didn't come today to give you Matt's best. I came to give you God's truth, amen? Come on. What are you still beholding to? Because that's how it works, the beholding and the becoming. What am I becoming? What am I becoming? What am I becoming? Are you becoming more like Jesus? Because you be saying, you gotta be born again. But if he wipes that all away and you're still struggle street, living and dying and hating life every single day, something is wrong here. And I know that it's not on God's saving power. If something's still wrong in Matt McClure, it has nothing to do with the finished work of Jesus on the cross. He's God. I'm not. He said it's finished. I'm like, I'm figuring it out. What are we still beholding to? What are we still reaching back for? What are we still picking up and saying, I can do this life with this? No, you can't. God, if he rescued you out of it, how many of you know you can't live with it? You can't domesticate demons, fam. You deliver them. What are you still beholding that is keeping you from becoming? I think on the other side of that, beholding and becoming, is the part where we begin to acknowledge the beholding of the right things. The beholding of the right things. Friends, if you don't value, if you don't value faithfulness in your marriage, you're not gonna be becoming faithfulness in your marriage. Like this is, this is simple, simple addition at this point. 
but we just we we dedicate our lives quote unquote and then we live on autopilot and it's like no you just go to church like <laughs> like you attend but you've not been transformed like this is this is wild <laughs> friends can i tell you today that the 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 litmus test of the growth of the christian isn't church attendance it's his residence the litmus test of the christian is not your church attendance, although that is great and appreciated. And Lord knows I will preach a thousand times better if this room is filled with my friends, <laughs> okay? But, but the growth, the litmus test, your height on God's amazing house, your heavenly fathers, how far you've grown isn't measured by your church attendance, it's by his residence in your life. It's by your, it's his residence in your life. He says, man, I wanna put your skin on. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to live in you. Why? So I can live through you. Why? So I can make much of you. How many of you know if he wants to live within your skin, he wants to live through your skin? If he wants to live within you, he wants to live through you. This is who he is. This is what he's promised. And I feel like the reason we do not walk in being born again is because we've had some watered down preaching where we said it's okay to not be okay. And trust me, there's grace. I'm not saying there's not, there is grace. Grace is abundant, but grace isn't so you can continue on sinning or continue on suffering. Grace is to prop you up for the times when you're weak so he can be strong. That's the point. This isn't to shame you. This is to frame him up for you. Shame go, frame come. Let me see God for who he is. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. Man, I just, I, I can't stand seeing defeated Christians when I know what Christ bought on the cross. There's no way. There's no way that's all that there was and all that there is for you. Friends, if you want, if you want to be free today, I believe that you can be. In just a minute, I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up here, but I got one more kind of big big idea to bring to you. Nicodemus, he's amazing. I just realized I haven't touched on scripture the whole time at all. I got, I got two things. Nicodemus, he's so impressed with Jesus. If you saw the episode in The Chosen with this, it shattered you. Okay? It made you cry. I'm a grown man and that made me cry. I'm emotionally deficit, and it made me cry. I was like, Ugh! like he's breaking down around the corner watching Jesus and the guys go off to go do great exploits for Christ, and he's just like, because he, because he wasn't willing to, to die so that he could live. It's amazing. You should watch it. When, when, when season three of The Chosen drops, we're going to be having watch parties here at the church. Okay? On a, separate from church, we're going to have another night. We're going to put it up on the big screen. We're a family deal. Come, and we're going to do it. You know what I mean? Maybe we'll do a Q&A after the episodes. I don't know, but we'll have a good time. It'll be awesome. But Nicodemus, he's saying to him, like, clearly you must be sent by God. Clearly, clearly you came from heaven. Clearly, look at the signs and wonders God is doing from you. And, and Jesus is like, Nicodemus, that's not enough. It's not enough that you're a cultural Christian. It's not enough that you're a priest teaching in the temple. It's not enough that you're impressed with my, with my God powers and, and my signs and wonders. I'm not just your common day prophet. 
No, no, you're like, you're like John the Baptist. Bro, John's my cousin. He ain't got nothing on me. He's like, I'm not just another prophet. I don't just make it rain. I raise the dead. That's what I do. And I can raise you too, Nicodemus. You just got to be born again. And he asked the question, the same thing we all go, eh, you know, like, that doesn't make no sense, Jesus. How can a man be born again? Go back into my own womb. I'm a grown man. I'm 54 years old. Like, what? And he's like, if you're born of the flesh and remain of the flesh, I don't expect you to understand this. But if you are born again of the spirit, you will understand spiritual things. That's what he's saying. He's breaking it down. And friends, I wonder, I wonder, somebody say, I wonder. I wonder today if maybe the reason we don't understand spiritual things is because we have not been born again of the spirit. And I wonder, somebody say, I wonder. I wonder if we haven't truly been born again of the Spirit. I'm going to give you the opportunity. Come on, get ready to rush this altar because we're going after it, okay? We're about to sing Refiner and this whole place is about to pop off. But I wonder if we haven't become whom we're supposed to be because we've been beholding the wrong things, not beholding the right things because the right thing is the gospel. And what is the gospel? Somebody say, what is the gospel? I'm glad you asked. Unprovoked. In the beginning, somebody say, in the beginning. This is Genesis. In the beginning, there was God and the Word was with God. And the earth was without shape and the Holy Spirit hovered above the earth, hovered above the waters. So you got, in that picture, you got God the Father, God the Son, because we know that the Word became flesh. That's Jesus. Jesus is the living Word of God. He is three in one, one in three. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit in the beginning. Right? And then, and then God made Adam and Eve. He made man in his image and likeness. Everything else he made, he was like, yo, suns are cool, stars are dope, mountains are crazy, valleys are, you know, it just adds to the terrain, like, cool. Like, here's some sweet fish and some bucks, like, go crazy, West Michigan. You know, it was good. It was good. But then he saw Adam and Eve, and he said it was very good. But then you see when he came with Adam and Eve, you see when he came with Adam and Eve, he, he told them because he has order, because he knows. Man, friends, can I just tell you this real quick? It's not love if you're forced into it. How many of you know people go to jail for forceful love? Okay? God? That's not him. He would never hold himself against you against your will he is pursuing you but you have a choice here understand that and that choice began in the garden and he told Adam and Eve everything is yours go forth be fruitful multiply take dominion of the earth go and do your thing I've made you for this go however there is one living tree and you must not eat of that living tree and then Satan came father of deceit, the father of lies, who was, just background real quick, an angel who wanted to be God and was upset with not being as cool as him and just fell, took one third of the angels in heaven with him and now he's an idiot. So somebody say the devil's an idiot. There we go. Let him know. He's an idiot. 
And so he goes to Eve and he's like, yo, he only doesn't want you to eat of that fruit because it'll make you like him. He's keeping himself from you. He's keeping a part of himself from you. And he starts giving questions and temptations and all this stuff. And so then Eve, she goes to eat of the fruit of the living tree. And then Adam, because Adam was over Eve and Adam was over the earth and this was God's proper order and alignment, okay? He was over her. And when Adam decided to partake in the tree of which he was told not to, Adam ate of a living tree and yet death came from him. Adam ate of a living tree, and yet death came from him. Adam ate the fruit of a living tree, and sin entered the world, and from sin came death. Somebody say, but wait, there's more. Somebody say, God's got a plan. God's got a plan. Because what he began to do before the foundations of the earth, because he knows us, he shaped us, he's made us in his image and likeness. And man, he's got a plan for every single left turn we're not supposed to take. He's got a right one for us. And he's got this man, he's got this word, he's got himself named Jesus. And Jesus comes, somebody say, Jesus comes. Jesus comes. Worship team, you can make your way up here. Jesus comes. And Jesus, see Jesus, he died on a dead tree and life came. And life came. And life came. Jesus became the first fruits offering on a dead tree where he died and life came. Adam ate of a living tree and death came and Jesus hung on a dead tree and life came. This is the good news of the gospel. This is how Jesus reverses the curse. Those that were born of Adam into sin can now be born again of Jesus and into the spirit. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? This is the good news of the gospel. That which is dead that came from a living tree can now be resurrected from a death on a dead tree. This is our God. This is whom we serve. This is what we've given our lives for. This is the good news. Somebody say, it's good news. It's good news. And so I wonder, we're about to sing Refiner in a second. I love this song. Have you heard this song? We played it last week for the first time. Wow, amazing, prophetic, love it. It's gonna be great. In just a minute, I'm going to ask you, if you want to be born again to rush this altar. Why? Because you know what? I, I'm, I'm done with this dedication thing. I want, to see some, I want to see some activation. And here's the deal. Maybe you feel like you've been a Christian for a long time. I'm not saying you haven't been. And I do believe it's one salvation. So don't get this twisted. I'm not going off on some like new age, hippy-dippy bullcrap, okay? However, somebody say, however... If you've been entering back into sin and have not been entering back into repentance, I'm not saying that you need to be born again, but I'm saying there's definitely some things that need to be repented of, amen? So if you wanna be born again for the first time, and you would know, and you would know, you would know, nobody gets healed in this church, like you got a broken arm and it gets healed, nobody, nobody leaves here going, no, I didn't know. Salvation 
being born again is a greater reality than healing. Right? That's the byproduct of salvation. Nobody gets delivered of a demon here and goes, I didn't know, I'm freer. (laughs) News to me. No, it's not. You knew. Because deliverance is a byproduct of salvation. You would know. Nobody in all of the crusades around the world and great conferences and moments and healing and revivals who got out of a wheelchair, nobody went, oh, I didn't know I could walk now. No, they knew. Nobody who's ever had their sexual addictions and proclivities broken off of them were just completely oblivious to the fact that God set them free. No, they knew. And these are all the byproduct of salvation. So friends, being born again, if you're saying, I don't know if I'm born again, let's find out. Let's find out. What do you have to lose? Don't, let, don't, don't live on your pride. Do you really think that Jesus went to the cross and did all that he would do to rescue you and me simply so that he could trim the branches on your pride tree? No, he rips up your pride, he rips up your tree, and he burns it. He uproots your entire life. This is what he does. We got to start beholding the right things, the real things, the true things, the perfect things, so we can become the right things, the true things, the perfect things, Jesus. So right now, if that's you, I don't care if you want to take a knee, I don't care if you want to stand, if you want to be born again, and you got some things you want to repent for, there's no shame in this house. I say we do it today, let's handle it, and let's get you free. Rush the stage. Rush the stage. Takes one. Takes one, we get going. Takes one, and we get going. Worship team, you start singing. You start singing. You start singing refiner. I'm gonna keep going, but just just keep going. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Repentance right now. This is what it's all about. A revival can happen in a born-again life. Revival can happen. If you're sick of struggling with your sin, if you feel like you just live and struggle, come up here. Come down. Let's shake it off. Let's eradicate it. Let's die to some things so we can live for some things. Let's break it off today. You could be a pastor and come down here. I don't care. Whoever you are, let's get this thing right. Today, you can get right with Jesus. I'm sick and tired of pacifying and normalizing and barely just getting past your habitual sin. Let's kill it today. Let's be born again. Let's purify. Let's magnify Christ. Let's make great the things. Mountains be made of. Valleys be made of. Come on, let's go after the things. I don't care how big the struggle is. Right now, you can be born anew. You can be born again. You don't have to remain from Adam and in sin. You can become from Jesus and be raised again in the Spirit. Come on, Lord Jesus. Set us on fire, King of Kings. Make us new, Lord of Lords. Come on, tribe of fire. The rest of you, would you stand? Let's sing. Let's worship God. Let's celebrate the newness of life coming. Redemption is coming. Repentance is being had. Chains are breaking off right now. Right now, sexual sin is dying on the concrete. Guess what? Your sin is not a seed because it can't be planted in the concrete below you. Drop it. Let it die. It can't grow here. It can't grow here. It can't remain here. Sexual sin is dead in this house. Marriages are resuscitated and resurrected in this house. Pornography, God, you didn't come to mitigate and normalize our pornography. You came to exterminate it. It's gone in the name of Jesus. Right now, liars are becoming truth tellers. No longer will you lie, but now you will tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help you, God. Right now, lives are turning around. You're no longer going to be a man of poor integrity or a woman who cheats. But today, you are becoming.
coming in integrity is personal to Christ. Come on. Try us by fire. Purify us today, God. Any impurity within us, God. May revival in our lives flow. Become revival in our city. Become revival in our day. sort of kind of on their best days free no you are free in Jesus name I say be born again be born again be born again addiction is coming off. You're done beholding your vape pens. You're done beholding your nicotine. You're done beholding your marijuana. You're done beholding your pills. You're done beholding your crack. You're done beholding heroin. You're done beholding anything that you've been putting in yourself to normalize. There's people in this room that God says, I'm going to set you free from anxiety today. But you got to be born again. If you've got an anxious spirit, let's replace it with the Holy Spirit. Come forward. Jesus. Man, I just feel like there's somebody in this room right now. Might be one or two of you, but someone's got a vape pen, someone's got some cigarettes, someone's got some tobacco chew, and they just need to throw it on the altar today and leave it here. There's some people in here right now that you need to take your phone out, and you need to delete your apps, and you need to throw it on the altar. There's some people in here. There's some people in here, man. You've got some money in your wallet. And I'm not saying throw it on the altar. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is you've got to quit finding security in it. Your security can be found right here at the altar. Right here, right now. You keep your money in the back pocket. And you put Christ in the driver's seat of your life. Come on today. here right now and I pray over every single individual still in this room that's not up here at the altar right now God set us on fire set us on fire God right now tongues bust out all over this room God right now deliverance is happening right here demons are fleeing at the sound of the name Jesus right now tongues are breaking out at the sound of the name Jesus right now gifts and talents and callings are being provoked within you stirred within you words of knowledge are being you are going to leave here today with things that you knew not of before this moment, but you're going to go and you're going to speak truth to power because by the name of Jesus, you have become like him. In Jesus' name. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus.
bring it down. They're gonna keep playing behind me, but right now, with every head bowed and eye closed in this place. In just a second, I'm gonna ask that you repeat these words after me. Would you just picture Jesus real quick with your eyes closed? Picture him on that cross, that majestic moment where all of time and space and everything that made sense and was sinful just broke and split apart where the veil was torn from heaven on downward and everything was made possible through the redemptive work of the cross of Jesus. Imagine that moment with me for a moment. Do you see him? Do you see him saying it was finished? Do you, saying, you see him saying it is done? Man, he is saying it is done, Kyle. He's saying it is done, Cole, it's done, Maya. It's done. It's done, Marcus. It's done. It's done, Tara. It's done. It's finished. It's finished. I've won for you. I've won for you. Now open your eyes. Let's seal it. Come on. Let's seal it. God in his word, the Song of Solomon said, wrap your love around my arm. Let's seal it. Wrap me up. How many of you know there is a love that's stronger than death? There is a love that's more jealous than the grave. There is a love, come on, that will not relent until it has you completely and fully born again. So if that's you, if that's you, today you're repenting or today you're being born again, repeat these words after me. Say, Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Jesus, thank you for rising for me. Jesus, thank you for your life. Resurrect me. Make much of me. Live through me. Live as me. alive in Christ Jesus purify my heart cleanse my soul forgive me my sins and rescue my future and God use me as an instrument for revival set me apart for you. In Jesus' mighty name, born again, repented, washed clean, made new, brand spanking new, new creations. People who look like Jesus, they started clapping, and they started singing, and they said amen, and they said amen, and they said amen, and they said amen. respond to emotionalism 
This isn't fake. This isn't phony. This isn't show religion. This isn't televangelism. No, 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 no. This is being born again Christianity. I know it's not vogue. I know it's not sexy. I know it's not trendy. And I know it's not what the world likes to hear or the devil wants to see. But baby, you've been born again.